Do you feel stuck and repeat? Are you in a loop of missed opportunities, unmet goals, feeling stagnancy in your personal growth and a nagging sense of underachievement? I know you want more. That's why I'm inviting you to join our year in review private audio course, Pivot for More in 2024. Break free, design and live a life where you are winning at work and at home. You'll learn to celebrate your wins, learn from the losses, realign your life's goals with your true potential, and reignite your journey with a clear, powerful plan. Act now. Text PIVOT to 1-804-913-2579. Make 2024 the year of no regrets. As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. Welcome to the Engineer Your Success podcast, where we dive deep into the strategies and insights to help you unlock your full potential My name is Dr. James Bryant, your host and your guide, here to help you design and live a life where you can win at work and at home, and I hope that you are having a great week. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on winning the workforce war. So last week, we talked about how to attract and keep the right team. We went through several crucial factors that go beyond compensation that significantly influence employee engagement and loyalty towards your organization's vision and values. While compensation is still important, it was just not the primary factor in employment decisions. So gaining insight into what really motivates your employees, what they really want, is really crucial in creating an environment that attracts and retains and cultivates the top talent within your organization. So here are some three potential actions that we talked about last week that you can begin to put into place to help attract and retain that top talent. Number one is to cultivate a culture of appreciation. So ensure that every team member feels valued by acknowledging their contributions openly and frequently. Additionally, include employees in decision-making processes and discussions that's relevant to their work. This nurtures a sense of belonging and empowerment as they feel, quote unquote, in on things and in on the decision making, feeling as if their decision counts and matters. Number two is provide support beyond the workplace. And so this has to do with the whole concept of work life integration, which is key. And part of that is offering a sympathetic view or help with the personal problems that may show up in your employee's life that's beyond their work output. This could be offering counseling services, having some type of way in which your employees can be able to express the issues that are going on in a non-threatening way in which they can do that in ways in which your company may be able to provide support to make it a psychologically safe place for them to come and share and to grow. Number three is create a path for career advancement and job security. So here we're talking about offering clear opportunities for growth by mapping out potential career pathways within the company. Pair this with ongoing training and development to prepare employees for advancement. When we talk about job security, that really can be reinforced by 
maintaining open and transparent communication about the health of the company, as well as future plans for growth for the company. So this week, we're going to focus on building a winning company culture. But before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to express a note of appreciation and gratitude for Erin D., who emailed me her thoughts on last week's topic. So here's what she said. I listened to your newest podcast episode yesterday and wanted to tell you that I used the same exact survey results from the 1940s when I talked to young engineers and students. I've always found it interesting that good wages were right in the middle, whereas most probably think it is at the top. I actually didn't realize the survey was as old as it is, but those things definitely still rings true for today's workforce. I'm looking forward to the continued conversation about workforce development. It's so critical to the industry right now, and it will take a village to figure out how to ease the shortage of talented engineers. Aaron, again, I want to thank you so much for your feedback and for your email. It is always a pleasure to hear from you, and it is a pleasure to hear from the Engineer Your Success community. In today's ultra-competitive job market where talent has more choices than ever, The culture of a company isn't just a perk, it's a necessity. A strong company culture can be the deciding factor for top talent considering where to bring their skills and where to allow those skills to stay long-term. So what is company culture? At its core, company culture embodies the values, beliefs, and behaviors that determine how a company's employees and management interact both internally and externally, how they actually conduct business. Essentially, it's the DNA of the company and it influences everything from decision-making to their daily operations. When I think about company culture, there's always a quote that comes to mind for me. And it's from Peter Drucker, the great management consultant and author. And that is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so this famous quote underscores the ideal that regardless of how sound a strategy may be, its success is contingent on the company culture that actually implements it. Company culture has a direct impact on employee satisfaction, productivity, and retention. In an environment where employees feel valued, understood, and aligned with their company's goals, they're more likely to be engaged, productive, and loyal. This just isn't about having good morale. It's actually good for the bottom line. So here are a few facts and figures that I pulled up in doing my research. Employee engagement and culture. A Gallup study found that highly engaged teams show 21% greater profitability. The same research indicates that engaged employees are more present and productive, which directly contributes to the company's financial success. The other thing is retention and culture fit. According to a study by the Society for Human Resource Management, SHRM, the turnover due to poor culture fit can cost an organization between 50 to 60% of a personal's annual salary. This underscores the importance of aligning new hires with your existing culture, making sure that it is a good cultural fit. In terms of culture's impact on performance, there's a dilute survey revealed that 88% of employees and 94% of executives believe a distinct workplace culture is important to business success. This consensus among both the employees and leadership illustrates the critical role that culture plays in 
organizational performance. And in terms of culture and the attraction of top talent, LinkedIn's Global Talent Trends of 2020 reported that 70% of professionals in North America would not work at a leading company if it meant that they had to tolerate a bad workplace culture. This highlights, again, how crucial culture is in the attraction and retention of top talent, but also how crucial it is to your organization. So here's one thing I want you to really consider and I want you to hear. Whether you think so or not, your company has a culture. In fact, all companies have a culture. If you're not an owner or you're thinking of this about your team, guess what? Your team has a culture. Your team has habits. Your team has things that they do that really fit within the culture that's been created within that organization or within that unit. So the question is not whether you have a culture, but one, is that culture a product of intentionality or is it a result of happenstance, the unintentional outcome that emerges from the accumulated habits, attitudes, and interactions of its people without deliberate guidance or planning? Another question to consider is this, does your company or team have a quote unquote good culture or a bad culture? So what's considered good or bad culture? Do you want to hear the bad first or the good first and then the bad? <laughs> Let's go with the good. So characteristics of a good company culture, number one is inclusivity, a culture that values diverse perspectives and fosters an inclusive environment where all employees feel valued and respected. Number two, the second trait is transparency and communication. So open lines of communication where management shares company goals, achievements, and challenges with employees. Transparency works to build trust and ensures that everyone is aligned and moving in the same direction. Trait number three of a good company culture is employee empowerment and engagement. Employees are given autonomy in their roles, encouraged to contribute ideals, and are actively engaged in the decision-making process. This empowerment leads to higher job satisfaction and increased innovation all throughout the company. Trait number four is recognition and reward. So a culture that recognizes and rewards employees for their contributions and achievements. Recognition can be monetary, but it can also be through simple acknowledgement and looking for those opportunities for growth, contributing to a sense of value and loyalty from the employee. Work-life balance, so policies that practice and acknowledge the support of balance between work demands and personal life, reducing burnout and increasing overall employee well-being. Trait number six of a good company culture is it's a culture that encourages continuous learning and development. So investment in employee growth and development through training, mentorships, coaching, and opportunities to advance their careers. And number seven is really adaptability and resilience. So a culture that is flexible can adapt to the changes and it is resilient in the face of those challenges. So this includes being open to innovation and continuous improvement. And so you can see how all these things fit together. If you listen to last week's episode about what employees really want, a lot of those things fall within the general topics that we talked about that fits within a good company culture. Now let's talk about some of the characteristics of bad company culture. And it's really in direct contrast to the traits that we just talked about. 
So bad culture trait number one is exclusivity. So this is a culture that fosters cliques, tolerates discrimination, and overlooks the diversity of thoughts and opinions and really looks for everybody thinking the same way. Uh, that's absolutely going to be a bad culture in the making because there's no diversity of thought and there's no one to say, hey, maybe we need to consider something different. Trait number two is the lack of transparency. So when decisions are made behind closed doors or in the black box, that information is withheld from employees, it really creates a sense of distrust and disengagement. Number three is micromanagement. Overbearing supervision and the lack of autonomy, that stifles creativity and innovation, and that leads to employee dissatisfaction. And it does reduce your overall productivity. Uh, neglecting employee well-being would be bad trait number four. And here is the ignoring the importance of the recognition or failing to provide adequate support for stress management and not respecting work-life boundaries that really contribute to burnout and low morale. Um, Number five would be a static environment. And this really probably focuses more on personal and professional development. So a lack of focus on personal or professional development that really limits employees growth. And that leads to, to stagnation because there's no effort or investment in growing the employees personally or professionally in that way. Trait number six will be poor communication. Ineffective communication leads to misunderstandings, inefficiencies, and a lack of direction within the organization. And number seven is resistant to change. So a culture that is resistant to change and innovation will struggle to adapt to the market demands or the internal challenges that ultimately occur, particularly when you're looking at your competitors or you're looking at the landscape. So let's say, for instance, you um, were resistant to change and you see all of the changes that's going around uh, with artificial intelligence. And if you stick your head in the sand and you don't look to adapt or to incorporate this into your practices, you are essentially going to be left behind and you are not fostering a culture of innovation, of growth. So in essence, good company culture amplifies employee engagement, productivity, and organizational success while bad culture can lead to dissatisfaction, inefficiency, and high turnover. So the definition of good and bad culture can also depend on the individual preferences and values. So what is ideal for one person may not be ideal for another. However, the characteristics listed, they provide a general framework for understanding the impacts of these kind of characteristics on the organizational culture. Next up, we are going to talk about how do you actually measure or gauge your company's culture. So one of the ways in which you can gauge your company culture or measure your company culture is by conducting a culture audit. Sometimes this is a standalone process. Other times this happens in during the process where you're looking to redevelop your strategic plan. Because as part of your strategic plan, you'll begin to do interviews or you're engaging your current workforce to get a sense of what's going on within the culture of the company. I'm going to spend time during this segment really talking a little bit more about what does it mean or how does it look to conduct a culture audit. So 
Conducting a cultural audit can involve a variety of methods beyond surveys. So it includes surveys, but beyond the surveys, you're looking to gain a comprehensive understanding of an organizational's cultures. So these methods can be qualitative or quantitative and often provide deeper insights into the behaviors, values, and perceptions that really come to define that workplace environment. I'm going to talk a little bit about surveys later, but here are some other ways to conduct a cultural audit that supports the survey, or you can do this in lieu of a survey. Uh, one would be interviews. So one-on-one -on -one interviews with employees at various levels within the organization that can uncover cover in-depth insights into the company culture. These conversations really allow for detailed discussions about experiences, perceptions, and other suggestions for improvement. Another way that you can dive into culture is by the use of focus groups. So small discussions facilitated by an unbiased moderator that can encourage employees to share their views on the company culture. Uh, these sessions can generate dynamic conversations, bringing out very diverse perspectives. Number three would be outside observation. So here is observing employees in their work environment that can provide insights into the natural workflow interactions and the physical workspace itself. So this method really involves noting how employees collaborate, communicate, and engage with their surroundings during a typical workday. I would say if you're going to do that method in terms of observation, you want to make sure that you inform your employees of the fact that someone is going to be observing them or if they see a person in the office not to be alarmed because they're helping to do some type of audit or some type of management activity. Again, this goes back to one of the good traits of a positive or good uh, culture, which is open communication and letting people know what you're actually doing. Another way that you can look at or get a sense of a company culture doing some type of audit is by analyzing the documents. So analyzing internal documents, such as mission statements, handbooks, policies, meeting minutes, and other communication materials that can really reveal the formalized values and the norms of an organization. So that review helps to understand what the stated culture is versus the lived culture. Because if the culture is stated and not lived, then it's not really going to be effective and people are going to gravitate towards what's lived, what's acted upon, what they actually see, hear, and do. Another way to do a cultural audit is to have a workshop. Interactive workshops that engage employees in discussions and activities related to companies' values, practices, and goals. These can be structured to identify cultural strengths, challenges, and areas for development. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more and provide a sample kind of cultural a survey that you would use for an, a culture audit for an organization. And part of that is you're trying to get a real good cross-section of material or cross-section of views when you're taking that survey. So let's spend a little bit of time to go deeper into kind of a sample survey that would be part of a, a, a process for the cultural audit. Again, you, you would communicate stuff like the survey is going to cover key areas as alignment with company values, communication effectiveness, leadership quality, opportunities for growth, work environment, innovation, diversity. Each section's response can offer insights 
into the strengths and potential areas for improvement within a company's culture. And here, you know, you can look at the other parts of the organization to understand the elements that you want to include in the survey. You want to, you do want to let the respondents know that their responses are going to be confidential because that plays a crucial role in getting some objective answers. I've done this with confidential surveys and I've done this with surveys where people have the opportunity to put their name to their comments. And I found that it both has its pros and cons. The confidentiality allows people to freaks to speak freely. The ability to put their name on it allows for follow-up. So again, it can work either way. You put the survey together, you can put together instructions for this particular one. We would do maybe a scale of one to five. So include something like for each statement, please indicate your level of agreement using the following scale. One, strongly disagree. Two, disagree. Three, neutral. Four, agree. Five, strongly agree. And there's always in this type of survey or engagement, you want to include space for people to include some additional comments as needed. Because when you're using some type of ranking, you may not be able to capture the essence of everything that they want to tell you. So you can look at, say, looking at the alignment with company values. You can ask them to rate a statement like, I understand and align with the company's core values. They can rate that. In terms of effective communication, you're looking at a statement that will be similar to communication within the company is clear, open, and effective. If you're evaluating the leadership quality, it could be a statement like leadership is accessible, transparent, and effectively guides the company. Again, you would ask for that rating. Uh, for professional growth opportunities, you can include a statement like there are sufficient opportunities for professional development and career advancement. When you're looking at the work environment and work-life balance, a question could be, or a statement could be, the company supports a healthy work-life balance and offers a supportive work environment. In terms of innovation and creativity, you can include a statement like, the company encourages innovation and values cr creative input from all employees. And for diversity, the statement could be, the workplace is diverse and inclusive where everyone feels respected and valued. And particularly in the industry, one of the industries that I serve in terms of the highway maintenance industry, where you're working with field personnel, a statement of compliance and safety is really important um, because you do want to know if your employees feel safe in terms of the work that they're undertaking. So one way to gauge this would be the company strictly adheres to health and safety and industry compliance standards. But you do want to know your employees' take on that. When you look at technology and resources, it would be, I have access to the tools and resources necessary to perform my job effectively. For recognition and awards, a statement could be, the company recognizes and rewards contributions to achievements fairly. So again, this is a sample of the types of questions or statements that could be included in a culture audit. If your organization has written values, mission statement, vision statements, I would incorporate questions around those as well in that cultural audit. The key is that companies eat, live, move, and breathe their culture.
So let's say you've gone through the process, you've done some type of a cultural audit, or you have gathered some of this information as part of your strategic planning process, whatever it is. What are some cultural alignment initiatives that you can do to make sure that you are eating, living, breathing your culture? So cultural alignment initiatives are strategic efforts that are undertaken by an organization to ensure that its corporate culture encompasses values, beliefs, and behaviors and norms, that that is really in harmony with your mission, vision, values, and your goals. And those initiatives really aim to foster a workplace environment where the company's core values are not just stated, but actively lived out through the actions and decisions of both the leaders and the employees. The purpose is really to create a cohesive, engaged, and productive workforce that is aligned with the organization's objectives. So, you, you listen, you really want to make sure that that alignment takes place. And, culture, and these initiatives can uh, be in various forms, depending on the organization's specific goals, values, and the current state of the culture. So number one, an activity that you can do is just make sure that you are clearly articulating your company's core, value, core values and that you are ensuring that they are communicated effectively to all employees. This can involve workshops, training sessions, regular communication to embed these values in company practices. And one of my private clients went through a strategic planning process and we started to redefine the company's core values. And they've begun to post those core values on little calendar inserts and lots of different places to reinforce this is what the company is all about. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this effort and what this company is doing when we get to next week's episode. But another thing that you can do uh, in, in terms of a cultural alignment activity is develop some type of a leadership development program where you are training your leaders to lead by example embodying the company's values in their everyday actions and decision-making. Thereby, what you're doing is you're setting a precedent for the rest of the organization because if the leaders are going to behave in a way that's consistent with the culture, then the rest of your team will do so as well. Another one is having an employee recognition program. So that's creating systems to recognize and reward employees who exemplify the company's core values through their work and behavior, encouraging a culture of excellence and alignment. Again, there's another story that uh, if you tune in next week, you'll hear about how one of my private clients institutes this type of program and what they've done within their organization. Another way would be looking at collaborative projects and teams, so encouraging cross-functional collaboration on projects. This really reflects the company's values, such as sustainability initiatives or community engagement or any kind of innovation challenges where you want that kind of cross opinion or cross dynamic interaction to take place. Another thing that you can do is to look for feedback and continuous improvement. So implementing the mechanisms for regular feedback from employees that really helps them feel seen and heard when I initially outlined this series, this episode was scheduled to include a broader discussion on company values and 
just throughout the discussion, I've mentioned values a lot um, for this particular episode. But when I began to develop and expand the notes, it really came to mind that a discussion on values and things that you can do to build those values is a standalone topic. So what we're going to do, we're going to change the order of things and insert another episode into this series, the power of company values, shaping culture for and fostering engagement, shaping your culture for growth. But we're going to talk about the process of defining your core values. So we're going to discuss how defining and articulating core values creates a foundation for organizational culture and employee engagement. We're going to highlight the process of identifying values that resonate with both employees and the company's mission. Really what we're looking to do is illustrate how this alignment could foster a sense of purpose and direction from within your workforce. Number two, kind of the point we'll get into next week is living the values. So we're going to emphasize the significance of embodying company values and daily practices and decision-making and explore a real-world example demonstrating how adherence to these values can deeply impact employee satisfaction, retention, and the overall workplace environment. And finally, we're going to talk about how do you integrate these values into your operations? And that's all about, again, integrating the company values into various aspects of operations from recruitment and onboarding, performance evaluation and recognition. And we're going to discuss the role of values in shaping an organizational identity and fostering a cohesive and motivated workforce. I'm looking forward to getting your feedback on this winning the Workforce War series, you can use the link in the show notes to get some of the question in the audio survey, or you can reach out to me via email. You can reach me at james at engineeryoursuccessnow.com, james at engineeryoursuccessnow.com. You can also go to the website and reach out as well. I'm going to end this podcast episode like I end every episode of the Engineer Your Success podcast, and that's this. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and there's a select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and they are living the life of their dreams. It is my desire that you become part of that select few. Be great this week. This is Dr. James Bryant, your guide for winning at work and at home. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life. And it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks. Thanks.